episode 57 of Friends and Film, a podcast for talking about latest movie news and theatrical releases. I'm your host, Cooper Hood, once again joined by Josh Straley. On this episode, we're going to talk about Michael Bay leaving Transformers, a former 007 as Cable, the ups and downs of the DCEU, and more. Overview our top 10 favorite films of 2016. You can follow us on Twitter, Facebook, SoundCloud, and iTunes at Friends and Film. Josh? Hello, everyone. Hello, Cooper. How are you, my friend? Good. It's uh, another another good week to be back at the podcast, so it's all Absolutely. I can ask for. Um, so I, this week, I spent probably all of it in the Aaron Sorkin universe of things. Okay. Whether I was watching The West Wing um, or catching up on his latest written movie, Steve Jobs. I finally saw it. Oh, you hadn't seen it yet? Yeah, and I didn't like it at all. You're a big Steve Jobs guy. I'm a huge Steve Jobs guy. Read every possible book on him. Um, Apple is my a thing mm-hmm. I love, uh, and it was bad. It was it, it was fun to be uh-huh. like watch Sorkin work, but it wasn't any good at all. I liked Charlie Wilson's War, also written by Sorkin, which I also saw this week. Okay, way better, and I didn't think that was even possible. I've never heard of that one. It's Tom Hanks, and it's about the Cold War, and I thought that was a perfect mashup. Huh. And I loved it. Cool. Yeah. I mean, I. It's been like a, I mean, a year or so since I've seen Steve Jobs. I uh, thought it was fine. I mean, did you at least like the performances in it, or what was like so bad about it for you? Fastbender was great, and obviously, um, Kate Winslet Winslet was terrific as Joanna Hoffman. But the portrayals of uh, Andy Hertzfield and uh, Seth Rogen, Steve Wozniak were just so glib. I mm-hmm. thought, you know, it was almost like offensive. Like, oh. and, uh, did you like the ending? Yeah, because I did, because his relationship with his daughter is like a big part of um, Isaac Walterson's book, mm-hmm. or Walter Isaacson's book. But uh, just everything around that was horrible yeah that, yeah i wouldn't say it's a bad movie yet i don't think it's a terrific one but i understand i know why you have a great love for sorkin <laughs> so i understand why it didn't make any money yeah i mean it was in theaters for a week or something mm-hmm, so before they pulled it. <laughs> it's hard to do that um my week i strung together a couple really really good films matrix uh goodwill hunting Apocalypse Now, and then uh, finished Ten Cloverfield Lane this morning. That's a diverse. Uh, that's a diverse genre. You get. Yeah. Well, got yeah. sci-fi. Got like a nice little character piece. Uh, Apocalypse Now. I don't really know. It's a, just a wide-ranging mm-hmm. epic in a sense, and then Cloverfield just a super personal story. Absolutely. So, uh, yeah. Sure thing. Um, I came up with a New Year's resolution. Okay. And this is... In February? In February, <laughs> yes. But I remembered it, and I've had it forever. Um, are you familiar with the USA sh- series Psych? Yes. Starring Dulé Hill mm-hmm. from West Wing and uh, James... Something. I can't think of his last name. Anyway, movie references abound in that uh-huh. uh, that series. And I fell in love with it, like... Right before it ended, and then I've seen every episode like twice. Right. So I took it upon myself to write down every movie mention that I have not seen onto a list. And I came across that note yesterday, and there are 65 movies on this list I have not seen. Okay. And I am going to do my best 
to take out every one of them. All right. We'll have to make a mental note for all you listeners to remind us to get a update on this list uh, come the end of the year to see how well Josh did. I'll publish it on Twitter and we'll <laughs> go from there. Yes. Um, but let's get into the actual podcast itself so we don't have another almost two-hour episode like we did last week. Uh, hopefully you guys enjoyed it. Uh, it was great fun to debate Star Wars for 50 minutes or however long we did it. That was, but that was great. <laughs> Uh, for this week, uh, we are not doing a review for like the third straight week, so it's been a while, but we'll, we will get back to it next week, uh, double dose. But for now, uh, we're going to get to some news before we do our top 10 lists of 2016. If you want to skip to those lists, there will be a timestamp in the description of the episode. But we're going to start with the flyby where we just do quick hits on all the topics uh, that don't necessarily warrant a full discussion and breakdown about them. And the first one... It was a really interesting story. It came from Variety that Son of a Gun director Julius Avery is going to be directing a movie called Overlord for Bad Robot. And speculation has already begun that this World War II uh, Nazi zombie movie could potentially be the next Cloverfield movie. So uh, do you like the idea of this concept? And do you think it, uh, it would be adapted to the Cloverfield universe? If they're setting it in the 40s, I have a hard time believing that it's going to, you know, mm-hmm. have some kind of, there's going to be a thread. Yeah. But uh, Paramount and Bad Robot together have put out two great movies. Um, so they haven't done me wrong yet. Julius Avery, haven't seen anything he's done, but uh, if you put J.J. Abrams on it, um, I'm going for it. Yeah. I mean, if you just look at Bad Robot's kind of track record with independent films that are based on really old scripts that they've had for a while that are produced by J.J. Abrams directly and rewritten by him and stuff with a relatively unknown director attached. They've turned out to be Cloverfield movies two times and will likely be a third with God Particle later this year. Uh, so once that reveal is officially made, I know like they've already said they want to have a Cloverfield-like universe in a sense. So I think this would make sense to uh, bring into that world. Chain, and like similar with like the seller, it was actually 10 Cloverfield Lane or God Particles, most likely going to be Cloverfield 3. I think you just, you say it's going to be set in the 40s around World War II and Nazis. And then when the first trailer comes out or whatever, it's actually, oh, nope, it's actually set in modern day or the future or something. And it's about uh, like an apocalyptic like fight against aliens or something. It would be crazy to see that happen. That's for sure. Yes, it would. Uh, but sticking with sci-fi. Uh, we talked a couple weeks ago about Denny Villeneuve wanting to direct Dune and being in uh, discussions to do so. And now, according to author Brian Herbert, the son of original Dune author Frank Herbert, Denny Villeneuve is officially going to direct the Dune franchise. Oh, I think I expressed my excitement in the episode where we kind of dug into what Dune is. Um, this is so great because he has become one of my favorite directors, uh, you know in this modern day so finally official yes yeah i mean i think this is a great move uh for dune obviously as a franchise to get somebody like denny who is just climbing the charts of great directors currently working um and yeah i think he's obviously done great with original work and now he's doing blade runner next um so to see him do another adaptation of another property one that he is also very much uh, in love with I think it's going to work out for the best, and hopefully he can adapt this very difficult and broad concept uh, to the big screen successfully. Totally. All the faith for him. Yes. 
And uh, The Rock, and I believe it was The Howard Reporter, announced like last week that uh, recent Oscar nominee Naomi Harris has joined the cast of Rampage, the uh, movie based on the old video game. So do you like this addition? Um, I can't even think of what the Rampage video game is. Okay, it's like a giant monster like destroying city game like there's like a wolf and a bear i don't remember all the characters but like it's just a game where you play as uh i believe you play as the monsters it's been a while since i played rampage and then you just like destroy buildings to get points and you fight another monster and somehow the rock and Naomi harris are going to be involved in this plot and they both have like connections to animal huh and stuff so it sounds sweet bring yeah. it on i mean if if it's gonna be the rock fighting Absolutely. giant cg monsters or helping giant cg monsters it's it's gonna be cool and i think if you get somebody like Naomi harris who's rising you attach her now if she wins the oscar if she doesn't you can at least it'll, it'll further boost her notability and stuff yeah especially for action movies or you know mainstream pop culture yes uh we also got a couple of john lithgow related stories this week first one coming from the Hollywood reporter that states that he is going to be joining the cast of pitch perfect three so oh, perfect what are what role do you think he's going to be uh if you had to take a guess corporate ceo or someone's grandfather he's very stately i could see him fitting in with uh rebel wilson's family in some uh some case oh is he he's is he american or is he australian i don't um, know I don't know. He could do a he could Australian do it, accent. And I think I sure. think I just added the comedy. I mean, he's a very diverse actor. I mean, he's currently like he just got nominated for a, or he won the SAG for best uh, actor in a in a dramatic series. So, I think this is a good addition. I would think he's like a like kind of a corporate guy, but more so along the lines of some new institution that the former Bellas have to answer sure. to. I just he's he's forever he is the role of a lifetime for me and him was Harry and the Hendersons though so I'm not gonna get over that <laughs> yeah I'm actually like I'm in the midst of my Dexter binge which is taking me a long time oh that's right and he appears uh, in there in like season three or four or something mid-season um, yeah or the and yeah like and I was like Definitely, I don't think it's going to play a similar character uh, in, the, in either How of these properties. That be? That'd be pretty messed up. Um, but his other new role supposedly will be in Daddy's Home 2, uh, which just got a release date with uh, going to come out this year, actually, November 10th, even though it hasn't started filming. And Deadline reports that he, as in John Lithgow and Mel Gibson, are in talks to uh, join the movie with Lithgow being Will Ferrell's father and Mel Gibson being Mark Wahlberg's father. Oh, yeah, that's perfect. Yeah. That's perfect, especially the, the pairing of them, too. Um, I haven't seen Mel Gibson act in forever. Yeah. Does he still know how to do it? I'm sure. Okay, I'm sure he got paid for it for I a mean, while. It, uh, it, <laughs> it'll be different from what I'm used to. I don't, I don't know if I've, I mean, Lethal Weapon is comedy-esque, but like yeah. Daddy Holmes is just straight-up comedy. So right. to see him kind of come in and be... And how he fits into that, I think, would be very cool. You know, he fits the persona that Mark Wahlberg puts out in the first Daddy's Home, where he's just the cool guy, and I right. feel like Mel Gibson can totally come in, do the like, just do mm-hmm. pull ups randomly and work out all the time, and just <laughs> be like, "No, I'm cooler than this other grandpa." Yeah, Mel Gibson or Robert De Niro would have been perfect. Uh, so yeah, the uh, the other 
like supposedly the other two people in contention for the role was going to be Steve Martin for Will Ferrell's dad and Harrison Ford for Mark Wahlberg's. Oh, and I was like, that's a pretty equal, good, yeah, I was like, that's pretty good. Great. But I'm okay with this, and Same I'm here. also okay with uh, Mike Mitchell is going to be directing the Lego Bat or not the Lego Batman too. That hasn't been announced yet, even though it probably will. Uh, Lego Movie too, according to the Howard Reporter. Well, he was the director of Trolls, mm-hmm. and Trolls was was good. I haven't uh, seen Trolls. Solid, my family. The mu- the music is probably the saving grace of the mm-hmm. movie, uh, but. The Lego movie was terrific. Yeah. And I can't imagine anyone botching the sequel. Yeah, I mean, was, I was a little bummed at first because, like, oh, I thought Phil Lord and Chris Moore were still directing it, but I'm pretty sure they're still involved in the writing process and they're still producing the movie. So I have faith, no matter who they would have chosen, that it's still going to deliver and it's still going to be as awesome as the first one. Same here. Um, we also got, uh, that's the end of the flyby, but we'll move into a little trailer talk real quick with uh, Beauty and the Beast having its final trailer this week. Uh, in lead up to its release at the end of March? Uh, yes, that sounds right. Yeah. I'm not 100% sure. But what'd you think? I thought it was good. I mean, I think it just continues to look like the animated movie with it being real. Yeah, <laughs> so okay. <laughs> I, think, I think that works. I think that's what they're going uh, for. Yeah, I, it doesn't look like there's going to be a lot of big changes, um, which I'm okay with. I mean, I really liked The Jungle Book uh, in 2016. And that was, for the most part, a straight adaptation of the old animated movie with enhanced story, uh, yes, which really helps. Absolutely. So I think Beauty and the Beast is a much more beloved animated movie than Jungle Book. So to keep the story and the characters intact and keep them the same, I think is smart. And then just bring in a realistic take on it. And so a couple of new songs here and there. And I think uh, it'll work out for the best for Disney. Yeah. And uh, this trailer, you know, like you said, follows with the tradition. We got the story part of this now. Mm-hmm. Um, Belle, his father getting lost in the castle, her going to rescue him, her offering to stay there in his stead. Yeah. Um, but one thing I still can't get over is the beast. We got a better look at him mm-hmm. this time around. And it is, it is, very close to that uncanny valley, man. And I, I'm still not sold on it. You're not sold on the look. You don't like I'm it. Still not sold on the look. That's but fair. I, but I will say, Luke Evans' guest on, it, it looks perfect. Yeah. Uh, especially when it looks like he's reciting, you know, a poem to uh-huh. the bell, and it turns out it's just a mirror. Yep. Uh, I started laughing at that. Um, but the music sounds great. Uh, amazing, actually. And I, I'm looking forward to it. But yeah. the beast is going to make it or break it. Yeah, I mean, I think if it wasn't for the Jungle Book uh, and even like Cinderella, um, and I know you liked Maleficent uh, oh, a lot. It. So I think if it wasn't for that track record that I wouldn't be as interested in the movie because I am not the demographic for Beauty and the Beast. Of course, yeah. Um, <laughs> but because of that track record, I'm like, I know this is going to be good at the very least. Yeah. So just how good it is, uh, we'll have to wait and see. Mm-hmm. Sure thing. Uh, but another movie that's coming back finally avatar the franchise not the last airbender the one with uh, all the blue skinned aliens uh james cameron told the daily beast this week that he has completely finished the scripts for the next four avatar movies and they will begin doing motion capture and filming in august so are you ready to potentially be seeing more Avatar movies in the future? I am definitely ready to be seeing more Avatar movies. I'm not exactly stoked for these, mm-hmm. but it's been, what, seven years since we've had like 
really any hard news on it. Has it been that long since Avatar? It's been since 2008. Back in the back at the beginning of the Obama administration, like that date dates dates us. Yeah, (laughs) and we're only 20. Um, Cameron hasn't had a royal screw up in Mm -hmm. any of his movies. Uh, Aliens, maybe, but. That was well received back in the day. But you don't you don't like aliens? No, I just think it's a. I don't mean. It was it was like he was it was the first step to him creating Avatar, and he did it horribly. I don't think you're the first person I've ever heard who doesn't like aliens. No, I don't. Yeah, interesting. I mean, it was it was okay. It was good. Uh, you know, coming off of the step down from Alien, and then everything else after that's you know a disaster. Huh. But. Yeah. Uh, okay. I, I, Hot take from Josh. Aliens is a terrible movie. I think I, well, it's not. It's James Cameron's worst movie. Okay. It's not a good movie, but it's it's you can watch it and be like, okay, they're fighting aliens. Okay. Didn't I say this when I watched the anthology? Yeah, but I don't remember you like bashing on it so bad. I know you like didn't like it as much as Alien, but oh yeah, I mean. Okay. A lot of people, Aliens is like arguably better than Alien. No, I think they're on, they're pretty much on par. Where are these internet people? I'd have to watch. I've only seen each time, each once, I believe. So I'd have to watch them again to compare. But uh, I definitely don't think Aliens is a bad movie. So okay. Well, anyways, wow. Okay, uh, we will get into this eventually. Maybe we'll, we could, we'll have to we, do a retro review of Aliens at absolutely. some point. Absolutely. Let's get that done. Um. But I'm excited to see uh, Sam Worthington back and Zoe Saldada. Zoe Saldada, yeah. yeah. Uh, and s- explore the Avatar world. The Jatari, no, not the Jatari, that's No, that's, that's Avengers, yeah. Uh, whatever the blue people are the, called. Uh, the Navajo? Is that it? Navi. The Navi? Yes. What's Navajo? Isn't that something? That's uh, Indian tribe. Yeah. Uh, so yep. Close. Uh, Native American. Yeah, okay. <laughs> but yeah, Anyways. I'm excited to see what Cameron has been writing and doing for the last eight years. I mean, mm-hmm. it'll be 10 by the time these actually come out. So, yeah. Uh, what, I mean, I liked Avatar, didn't love it, mm-hmm. but I thought it was great. Like a great film or piece of, yeah, I think it is, I think it's remembered because of like the technological breakthrough that mm-hmm. it was. And on that aspect, I think it is a great movie. Um, but it's, it's not rewatchable. Like, because it is so long. Like if you have the Blu-ray or the DVD, like the one I have, it's you have to use three discs to watch the entire movie. And you're just like, <laughs> yeah, that's just, wait, why that, that doesn't make any sense. Gold master deluxe edition. Yeah. It's, it's it. just nuts. But are um, you ready for two, three, four and five? I'm ready for two. I, okay. I can't say whether or not I'm ready for three, four and five, um, until I see two and see kind of where this is leading. Um, just because you never know because it has been so long since avatar that there's a chance that Cameron's not still in tune with that movie and that process and what people are interested in. And I think, I feel like he wants to just go and do his thing, but to that aspect, he hasn't really failed at doing his thing right. so his, far. So his thing is the two top uh, selling movies. Of all right. Time. Exactly. So uh, that's one thing I'm really interested to see whenever it comes out in 2018 or 2019, whenever Public you know, this happens. Yeah. It was the box office for it. If, cause I, I don't think it's going to get another $2 million or 2 billion. I think mm-hmm. it'll get 2 million obviously, sure. but yeah, I feel like it could easily drop 
like to a billion dollar movie, which is still a lot of money. Yeah. But it's just going to be like, it's just going to not even compare. It's going to be, it's going to be out there punching with, you know, the infinity wars movies and, uh, star Wars. Well, yeah. I mean, yeah, it all depends on where it comes out, when it comes out. Um, and hopefully we'll uh, have more. And I'm, I'm glad that it's just finally moving forward instead of just being camera saying I'm working on it. It's like, Oh, we have some definitive news that filming starts in August. Perfect. Absolutely. And if you can have a chance, read this daily beast article because it, it, James Cameron's a very likable guy. Mm-hmm. I mean, he sure he seems weird when he's in his submarine and whatnot, but yeah. uh, he this is really good. Uh, it's great to see him talk about what had to have been a passion project. What is a passion? Project oh yeah, to you know lock yourself away for eight years. Yeah, for for years to write four movies that you're going to shoot two back to back, complete the editing of the others, and then shoot the other two back to back. Right. Like by all accounts, these are probably his last four movies unless he squeezes in something else smaller when he's like 90 or something. But I mean, he obviously loves this. He's 80. He's up there. He's, I know he was like at least 60. I feel like he's in his seventies. Yikes. So yeah, I mean, these movies have release dates up till 2024 or something. That's when the fifth one's supposed to come out. So right, just being co-equal when you spread them out. That's right. What, that gets us. So I mean, who? Yeah, who knows what's uh, what's gonna happen? But anyways, we had a director leave this week on a big project, uh, highly debated, but not the one related to the DC universe. There's another one uh, with Antoine Fuqua leaving the Scarface reboot, according to Variety, because he had a scheduling conflict. Uh, because of Equalizer 2 has to go in production at the same time to meet Denzel's schedule. Uh, in that report, however, they did reveal that Diego Luna has been attached to play the lead. So oh, what do you think yes. about Fuqua leaving, Luna coming on, and the future of uh, this project? All right. Well, first of all, I think Fuqua is not gone gone. I mean, he was working on this project. This was going to be before Equalizer 2. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's going to EP. His his fingerprints are still here. Sure. Whoever's coming in is playing cleanup. And they got the, the man that I would have been trying to cast into everything <laughs> since last December. At least it feels like it. Uh, Diego Luna absolutely made himself a star in Rogue One. And I think he's absolutely going to, you know, make an even bigger impression on people. And the, you know, the classic retelling of a of an immigrant, you know starting to man i haven't seen scarface in a while i don't yeah. even know another reference to make about it i know? mean this one's supposed to take place in the 80s right in la right uh yeah about a mexican immigrant so uh i think depending on the political state of the united states in a couple of years whenever this movie enters <laughs> production this oh. could be very politically relevant um but aside from that i am a little bummed that fuqua is not attached anymore because i was interested to see what he was going to do and look like he was passionate about this project um but if you're going to put Diego luna front and center i think that's a great move as well and if i had to choose a replacement director it's not going to happen but alejandro inaritu who did uh the revenant birdman if he Ooh. if he did this i think it could actually compare or be in a similar conversation to the original or to not the original scarface but Al Pacino Scarface. Huh. Wow. Maybe not so much an action take on it, but a real, a real, um, 
character focused exactly. piece in the way that Al Pacino's mm-hmm. kind of was, yeah. but was more action packed. Exactly. That oh, that could be good. And I, I just yeah, I mean this the cinematography and everything he would do. Yes. And I think he'd get a great performance out of Diego. Oh, I'm just imagining desert, desert, and the cow. Oh my goodness. Yeah. I mean, it's it's not gonna happen because I think he's more interested in doing original projects. But mm-hmm. if I was the studio in charge of a Scarface reboot that is Mexican focused, I would be calling him first. And talk about Oscar bait too. Oh yeah. For re- that, I love that idea. But we'll have to wait and see if that ever happens. Even though I highly doubt it will. Uh, and so we're going to move to some really big franchises, and arguably none are quite as big, surprisingly enough, as Transformers. Uh, regardless of the quality of the films, they continue to make a lot of money, largely because of Michael Bay's uh, style for lots of action and very little plot. But those days might be coming to an end, apparently, because he issued a statement uh, that made it seem like The Last Night is actually going to be his last film with Transformers. However, he has said this during the uh, promotion of Transformers 3 and Transformers 4, so he That's could easily right. come back on his role, on his word for a third time to come back for Transformers 6. But as of right now, he said that uh, this will likely be his final one, so he's, quote, blowing this one out. Uh, then they also release a new synopsis for the film that says... The Last Knight shatters the core myths of the Transformers franchise and redefines what it means to be a hero. Humans and Transformers are at war. Optimus Prime is gone. The key to saving our future lies buried in the secrets of the past in the hidden history of Transformers on Earth. Saving our world falls upon the shoulders of an unlikely alliance. Cade Yeager, played by Mark Wahlberg, Bumblebee, and English Lord Sir Anthony Hopkins, and an Oxford professor played by Laura Haddock. There comes a moment in everyone's life when we are called upon to make a difference in Transformers last night. The hunted will become heroes. Heroes will become villains. Only one world will survive, theirs or ours. Ooh. So what do you make of Michael Bay potentially leaving and the new synopsis? Well, it definitely, I mean, if you, when you read this, it sounds like, when you hear it, when you read it, it sounds like Michael Bay knows he's going to be remembered for the Transformers franchise and he's walking away from it and you know, he's sending the signals already. Uh, he's mentioned it in previous movies, like you said, but he's never been this heavy handed. There's never been a movie with as much weight, uh, for of the past and the future on it. So I think it makes perfect sense for him to, you know, take his leave of the franchise. And this synopsis sounds epic. Um, we, Optimus Prime is tearing Bumblebee limb for limb in the trailer. Like, what is happening? I want to know. And I've not seen an an, enti- an entire Transformers movie to date yet. So, Wait, what? <laughs> I have not seen a, an entire Transformers movie from start to finish. Really? I've seen one five-minute part and then where they're in this desert somewhere. And then that's it. Okay, that's pretty much all of them. Yeah. So exactly. So I have no clue <laughs> you know, what's going I'd on. I probably guess it's would have been the the. I think it was the second one. Yeah. They're in some most kind of likely. ruined temple. Yeah, that's the second one. Yeah. yeah. There's like jets and. Uh huh. It looked like Fast and Furious along with robots, you know, jumping out of uh, the sand. That'd and be a great like crossover. Uh, didn't you? Did you already pitch that? <laughs> I think, I think so, you yeah. pitched that before. Um, but. 
this sounds terrific. Anthony Hopkins is one of the reasons I'm actually excited for this. He, I noticed his character didn't get a name. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he's going to be pivotal, and yep. I am stoked for that. Uh, yeah, like there was a, there's a theory going around that he is um, either he's not King Arthur, but he is uh, like a descendant of King Arthur or somebody from that royal lineage. Mm-hmm. That's why he knows so much about all this history and everything. Uh, so but he's I, narrating our trailer right, too. Yeah. So uh, I will, I actually do th- believe Michael Bay this time, this will be the last one. Uh, they've kind of said that this is both the beginning of the franchise and the end of the franchise in different aspects. And yeah, like like he said, he's go. It looks like he's going all out for this one. Just he's turning. He's giving people Optimus versus Bumblebee, which is something I never would have thought would have actually happened. Uh, potentially, I mean, he's having this world eater come and like try to kill Earth. He has Optimus being a bad guy. Like uh, some very interesting stuff. And yeah, I think the synopsis uh, sounds. Good. I mean, I liked the trailer, surprisingly enough. We're going to get another one. Um, well, you guys have already gotten one by the time you hear this uh, from the Super Bowl. So next week when we talk about it, we'll have actually seen the new trailer. And I expect to have even more action, maybe a little more story about why Nazis, King Arthur, and Transformers are all yeah, connected. Yeah, sure. um, but I don't. I don't know. These movies are are dumb and they've gone downhill for me. So I'm not super interested in this film, but at the same time, it also kind of just looks good mm-hmm. <laughs> for yeah. some reason. So uh, who knows what this movie's going to be? Just intriguing enough to get me in the door. Yeah. Are you going to watch the other four movies in their entireties before... You see the last night, so you're caught up on all the mythology and you everything? No, that's a good question. I think I'm going to have to think about that because I feel like it would be great to just walk in there, sit down, mm-hmm. and be able to see one yep. all the way through uh, and then make my decision on that. Yeah. And then in- instead of having it be, uh, uh, what's the word? Not sure. Not sure. No, me neither. Infected, uh, brought down. Oh, like tainted. Tainted by the awfulness that I. I'm assuming uh, it sounds like the other four are. The first one is legitimately good. The second one is really bad. Uh, Last time I watched, I just really, really didn't like it. That's the one I believe you saw five minutes of. Sure. The third one I think is okay, uh, because there's a big role there's crazy huge action uh that's kind of when michael bay just kind of went all out with action yeah, he embraced yeah. it and even though the movie's like you know two and a half hours and the fourth one um if, you, if you're gonna watch any before if you like you're like okay i can't watch all four i'm just gonna watch one it would be between one and four because one you'll at least understand kind of some of the mythology behind the transformers but four, you'll get to know Kate Yeager, who is Mark Wahlberg's character, and kind of this new direction the franchise is going. But, I mean, I don't think you have to see any of the previous ones. And the producer even said, so, that we made it a point. You don't have to see the other ones That's before. Right. So, yep. I think either path will work. I was just curious which one uh, you take. I think I'll take that first one. But that's, we got two months, so. No, we got longer than that. 
It doesn't come out till uh, June, yeah, I think, or mind. July. So you got plenty a, of time. Yeah, you got a, you got a while. You could do like a movie a month and be caught up. Yeah, maybe that's what's going to take. Out. Yeah, <laughs> uh, but moving over to the Fox X Men universe, we may have our cable potentially uh, on the latest episode of Meet the Movie Press. Simon Thompson, who's a reporter for like IGN, Forbes, and a bunch of the websites. Uh, he gave a snippet of an interview that he had with David or with David Leach, the new director for Deadpool two, and he asked him. He like he's like con- jokingly con- he's like, oh, congratulations on casting uh, Pierce Brosnan's Cable because of a previous photo of Brosnan, and Hugh Jackman, and Ryan Reynolds all together, being very suspicious about why they're all together, um, and like the hashtag was like Wolvey. James Bond and Deadpool. Yeah. And you're like, okay, something, something's going on here. And Leach's response to that fake congratulations was, uh, we haven't cast anybody yet. Mm-hmm. Which then led to, uh, co-host Jeff Snyder, who is a reporter for previously for, Variety and uh, the rap and Mashable and now tracking board to say uh, that he's heard it's going to be him, which seems like we have our cable now. So what do you think of Brosnan unofficially being on board Deadpool to his cable? Yeah, this is perfect. Um, I mean, I I could fan cast cable for days. Uh, Do it. Pierce Bron- <laughs> but Pierce Bronson, uh, like the first 007 that I was ever introduced to, um, the, the one that my dad thinks it blows Daniel Craig's out of the water, uh-huh. which I, I, I have a hard time, you know, even fathoming that. But the guy's, the guy's cool. He's, he's suave. He's yep. got some kind of a natural slicked back white hairdo that Cable seems to have in all these photos. He's, He's grizzled. He's a veteran. Uh, I think it makes perfect sense for uh, continuity, not continuity, but be able to grab maybe an older audience that wants to see 007 uh, in an action movie. Um, so I think it's, if this is true, I think it's great. Uh, and I'd be totally stoked for it. Now, obviously you said you challenged me to fan cast cable for days that seemed very <laughs> i just wanted to see what other suggestions you had in like you, mind that you, you could seemed, go on for days you seemed kind of i'm not sold on combative. it i honestly don't think i've ever seen brosnan and everything anything because i haven't watched the old james bond movies uh so you're not missing anything it's I have no attachment to Pierce Brosnan. Like I know he's, you know, suave. He's obviously James Bond, so he knows how to be an action star and everything. And he was back in the like the eighties and stuff. So I think he could fit the role. I am just kind of if he is Cable, because on a side note, both you know Justin Kroll from Variety was also on the show, and he was like, "Is he is he Cable or is he going to be the villain?" So they weren't necessarily sold that he is absolutely going to be cable but he is most likely going to be cable and he's for sure going to be in the film if that makes sense so i think i'd be more on board with him being the villain instead because the i don't know the reasoning behind introducing cable i thought was to bring in you know kind of a new co-lead to this like this 
portion of the X-Men universe. Yeah, give him a sidekick. Give him a sidekick. Have him lead the X-Force movie in three years. And Pierce Brosnan's like, he's going to be 64 in May or March or something. So he doesn't have like a ton of time left to be a big old action star. Mm-hmm. So, which is why I'm just like, it, it seems like an odd choice to me, but uh, I have all the faith in David Leach, Ryan Reynolds, Paul Wernick, and Rhett Reese to make these calls. So if they if they go and say Pierce Brosnan is definitively the cable we want, and for all I know, he fits the perfect mold for the cable there they want, and they don't have those plans to have cable be a lead later down the road. So. Yeah, uh, and, like, and you have a really great point about... Uh, Pierce Bronson's age not that it's a huge deal Mm -hmm. but in terms of you know like you said making multiple movies uh, it would seem to be that that doesn't make a lot of sense right the only way that it does is if Cable is the grizzled veteran time traveler right and Deadpool is this this new guy on the block Mm -hmm. that's causing issues and that's the dynamic that they want to play. Um, That would be interesting. I don't know if that's what they're thinking, but um, I think it's good to be skeptical because he's, he's old. Yeah. So, I mean, that's not, again, that's not a bad thing. That's no criticism on Pierce Brosnan. It's just just a fact. You're, you're 63 currently. By the time this movie enters production, it'll be 64. By the time this movie releases, you'll be, almost 65 by the time you want to do x-force or a sequel you'll be like 67 Mm -hmm. like there's just not all that time to be an action star anymore and that's why i thought like somebody like kyle chandler who's like in his mid 40s made a lot of sense because he has that ability to you know stay on board for another decade yeah as uh, but who knows we'll have to wait and see i mean he could be the perfect cable and i'll love it so I uh, don't want to get too hung up on that point because we have some other stuff to talk about, like Aquaman getting some casting news. So Some great casting news. On the positive side of DC, after some negative buzz early in the week, we're almost uh, there. Hang the Hollywood there. Reporter came flooding in, uh, unintentional pun there, <laughs> that... It's pretty good. Yeah, I didn't even mean it. Uh, I didn't mean to do it. But anyways, they came in and reported a slew of casting for Aquaman, the first of which was... Uh, Yahya Abdul Mateen II, as he is now has the offer to play the villain role of Black Manta. Nicole Kidman has the offer to play Aquaman's mother, Atlantean mother. And then uh, the most recent one was Temuera Morrison, is now in talks to play Arthur Curry's human father. So, yes. What do you think of uh, these three potential castings? Well, I'm not familiar with Yaya. Uh, I know the get down is supposedly terrific. It's a brainchild of Cameron's, I think. Isn't is it? it? I don't know. I, I made it through like two episodes, I think. Yeah. And then I, I cut out. I mean, I, I, I saw his character in it. He was fine. Mm-hmm. Um, but like some of the other names being thrown around for the role were like Corey Hawkins and, um, uh, Trevante Rhodes, apparently. I was like, I would have rather seen Corey Hawkins, I sure. think. Yeah. But okay. he's, he's the new 24 Legacy star, so he's probably pretty busy with that. Oh, absolutely. Uh, but I can say this. Uh, Kidman, perfect. Um, but Morrison, I will be <laughs> so stoked to see that man get back on screen. Um, it, it's the perfect fit. Like you Putting him and Jason Momoa, I mean, they won't technically be side by side, but... 
Like they you, could. you could almost you can draw a straight line between, from this guy to um, Moa. Mm-hmm. Like they just they just they're two huge guys. Yeah, that look like they, like they can punch out anybody. Mm-hmm. Like and it's just like it's it's perfect sense. Um, and I I'm so stoked to see that. I know he won't be there for long. Like you know. Uh, 10, Are you sure? 15 minutes of screen time. Oh, well, I mean, yeah. I mean, I'd I'm, be blown I'm just saying. Away. I'm just saying. Like, I feel like I don't know Aquaman's history and like his relationship with his parents, but I don't think that he necessarily has to die unless, or actually, he might die. Yeah, so I know in the mythology. He, if I my memory's coming back to me correctly, I think so too. But yeah, you know, even if he's not there for long, I just think it'd be cool to see him back up on screen. Mm-hmm. If even if they're not going to use him in Star Wars, uh, uh, I'm I'm stoked to see him. You know, back in the mix. Yeah, maybe that you know jogs some people at Lucasfilm's brains. So <laughs> that's great. Yeah, uh, my overhyping this. What do you? Think? I think yeah, like 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 you said, uh, I'm not really familiar with Yaya except for that really small uh, time I had with the Get Down, but. He was fine on it, so I I am not worried about this. And he's a young up and coming lead, so I think that's always great to bring in somebody new that for a lot of people they're not gonna know and that they can watch this movie and be like, Oh, that Black Manta guy's really cool and then he can be around for the long haul. Um Nicole Kidman agreed, she's great, so I have no problem with her being his Atlantean mother and Morrison I think's terrific as well. So when I was like, okay, that just makes sense. However, I was a little surprised that it wasn't almost swapped in a sense where Atlantis was the one filled with the non-white people. And oh yeah, that's an interesting cause point because Amber Heard as well as Amber Heard is Patrick Wilson is who is his half, uh, who is Aquaman's half brother, mm-hmm. is also obviously white. So. I mean, to I guess me, you're under the ocean. Yeah, but, but like I don't know. Your, I feel the like there's Atlantis. yeah, there's a lot of I don't know. I thought with James Wan being the director, this would have been a great opportunity to bring in a bunch of just have an entire underwater city populated with non-white people. Yeah, <laughs> and, that's a really good point. But I don't think that's necessarily a criticism. I was just kind of like, oh, that I thought it was going to go the other way, and his his Earth or not his Earth parents, but his human parents were going to be white, and then his Atlantis people were going to be not white. Right. Or, or even like sort of um, Malaysian, something, yeah. something like, you know, uh, Pacific Islander. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's, that's actually a really good point. I something I've never thought to consider. Maybe yeah. they're going the, the fair skinned, you know, Atlantean, like right. high minded society route. Uh, I'm interested to see, you know, because I think James Wan's going to lay down some pretty sweet mythology, right? Yeah, I, I mean, because all I mean his his movies do mm-hmm. that a ton, and you know, really economically, yeah, as well. So that'd be interesting to see. And the get down is Boz Luhrmann, not Cameron. Okay, um, I don't know. I I should never mix those two up, but they do. <laughs> they occupy this same space of filmmaking, mm-hmm. grand over the top, um, very thematic. But uh, well, are we good? Are you ready? Yeah, to, we need can to we talk move about on this? to. The Batman. So Monday night, news got out from Variety that Ben Affleck is no longer directing The Batman. Two weeks after he definitively went on Kimmel and said, I am directing Batman. Um, And got very upset because people kept asking him, are you directing Batman? (laughs) And 
along with that announcement, he issued an official statement about it saying, quote, there are certain characters who hold a special place in the heart of millions. Performing this role demands focus, passion, and the very best performance I can give. It has become clear that I cannot do both jobs to the level they require. Together with the studio, I have decided to find a partner and a director who will collaborate with me on this massive film. I'm still in this. We are making it, but uh, we are currently looking for a director. I remain extremely committed to this project and look forward to bringing this to life for fans around the world. Since that came out, Matt Reeves was then reported by, by Variety to be the top contender to replace uh, Affleck as a director, while Deadline later revealed that Chris Terrio also did a rewrite of the script uh, before this announcement was made. So uh, after this news came out, I texted you immediately, Josh. You and, did? Uh, Very quickly. I was uh, not pleased. So... You know where I stand. I know where you stand. Uh, can you talk me off of the DC ledge that I'm standing on? All right. I can. I can think I can easily talk okay. you off that. Um, and then you you tell me your concerns rebuttal, with yes. my with my um, with my reasoning. Okay. Here. Don't freak out because Ben Affleck once said, "I'm not going to direct this movie if I don't think it's any good." Because I that was the first comment I saw. You know. I've retweeted a, a billion times over um, exaggeration, but Ben Affleck, while he did has a fantastic track record, he is deeply involved in this movie and it is go. And he was the best part of Batman versus Superman. It is going to be fine because he's a part of it. He's going to make it work. He's executive producer and he's acting in it. If he doesn't like the way something's working out, He's going to take care of it. Now, one thing, we've had problems with the DCEU um, for the last two movies, two and a half, maybe, Mm -hmm. if you want to count Man of Steel's problems. Um, And they haven't done a whole lot to fix it. It's been Zack Snyder, Zack Snyder, and Ben Affleck uh, as EPing Mm -hmm. on this now. Um, So if indeed Matt Reeves is coming in, it's who, what has Matt Reeves recently directed? The Play of the Apes movies. Yes. Which I love. And also? Uh, he did uh, Cloverfield. Yes. Which you think which is I, pretty I like, great. yeah. Absolutely. A protege of J.J. Abrams, in, in a few senses, is coming in to shoulder a, a blockbuster movie, potentially shoulder mm-hmm. a blockbuster movie, and be able to infuse the spirit and fun that those movies have at times and uh, be able to deliver thematic elements that Zack Snyder and Ben Affleck were surely trying to infuse into this movie. It's getting DC and Warner Brothers out of the echo chamber and allowing for fresh, creative, innovative stuff to do. The script rewrite. Mm -hmm. Same guy who wrote Argo. Argo won an Oscar. How can you dig that? Same guy who wrote BVS. BVS has suffered from a lot more than just a bad script. Yeah. But this is going to be great because Matt Reeves is coming in with no pressure on himself but to take Batman and make it make it great. Have, have fun with it. Mm-hmm. I, this is a great idea. The pressure's off Aflac. The pressure is is maybe on Reeves, but I don't believe so because he's a true pro's pro. And 
I think this is going to be the movie, like they said before in the opening, to be a definitive Batman movie that kids will go to and say, you want to see Batman? Here's Batman. Mm-hmm. Bam. Now, you don't. You still look worried. You, you still yeah, look worried. I'm still worried because... What, what, did, what did I miss? What's wrong here? The problem, I mean, I got to make this clear from the start. The problem I have is not necessarily with Affleck's decision to step off um, because I can't imagine what it takes to direct a film or write a film or star in a film or produce a film, let alone do all four in, you know, a $200 million production Mm -hmm. with, you know, hundreds of cast members and production crews and everything. I can't imagine that. That's a lot of pressure. The problem I have is the process that got us here. Because in 2014, or whenever this was announced, that Ben Affleck's joining the DC Extended Universe, even if they had not committed at that point that he was going to direct the Batman, I feel like when they came to him, they're like, okay, we want you to be in BVS, Justice League, and a Batman standalone movie. And we want you to write and direct the movie, like the standalone Batman movie, because we think with Argo, the town and your like gone baby gone stuff, you have a great track record that you can do this. And he probably went, okay, I can do that. So he's, he knew what he was signing up for. And since that point, I think it's been Warner brothers who have gone and pressured him into basically making this decision where they're they're giving him I think the same questions the press was during the live by night tour going so Ben uh, how's how's the script coming it's it's coming guys but I'm not I'm not going to be ready you know for a couple more months oh well um, we have production locations scouted you know to start filming in you know end of March well I'm not going to have a script ready in time I'm we're going to need to start production you know, in June or July. Okay. Okay. Cool. Cool, Ben. Cool. But your movie's coming out in 2018. No, no, it's not. <laughs> and okay. it's, I see what you're it's, saying. it's this pattern with WB going and interfering with everything. And they, from the start of the DCEU were like, we're a director driven, uh, studio this is where directors should come to make great superhero movies because we'll let them do whatever they want and that hasn't been the case and i think this this just further tells me that warner brothers has a terrible process in place in making these movies and makes me immensely more concerned for wonder woman and justice league and even aquaman uh even though the latter hasn't even started shooting yet because i'm just nervous that all these other movies have gone through this same production. Justice League was getting script rewrites as they were filming because of the backlash from BVS. Wonder Woman was in production before that thing was canned before BVS even came out. So they had no time to even try to make changes, depending on how well BVS was received and if there's any similarities there. Or extensive of the reshoots. Exactly. Uh, we haven't heard, we heard a report about reshoots, but nothing about they're reshooting 60% of the movie or something like. Is apparently went according to plan, which could be good, mm-hmm. could be not, and I think this just like it just makes me really disappointed because st- I hate it when studios say we're going to give you this, 
And then they say, and later revealed, well, you're not actually going to get it. You know? Okay. Yeah. You know, they, similar to like what I was saying about Rogue One before it came out, mm-hmm. they pitched me a war movie in the Star Wars universe. Yep. If I didn't get that, I wasn't going to be happy. I got it. So I was happy with it. Sure. WB was like, you want a Ben Affleck written, directed, and starred Batman movie? You got it. And I was like, cool. Yeah. That's going to be great. I, I can't wait to see that movie. And then they're like, well, he's actually not going to direct it anymore. Okay, that's that's not a good sign. Oh, but also his his script, we had somebody else come in and rewrite it. So so now he's not doing either of those two jobs. That's that's weird to me as well because before he has said, like, if the script's not good, I'm not going to do this. And he's not he's not directing it and they had somebody else write the script which tells me rewrite the script okay rewrite the script based on the general story or whatever but it tells me that they wb is continuing to rush this production because they don't want to wait on it being perfect gotcha and i don't like that i mean i don't i I don't know i just don't get i'm frustrated because i don't know how this all changed so drastically in a month Mm -hmm. The first, the, the very first day of 2017 was the report that he may not direct the movie. Right. And two weeks later, he went on Kimmel and was like, I am directing this movie absolutely without a doubt. I plan to embrace the pressure. Um, even though it's going to be the most pressure I've ever felt, I'm confident that I can get, th- I can go through with that and make a great one. I refuse to make a mediocre version. There's not enough money in the world for me to make a bad version of Batman. Sorry, and yeah. now he's not. So that tells me that the script's not good. He's not confident in it. The pressure from either fans or probably more WB was too great because they're pressuring him saying, okay, live by night wasn't good. So we don't, we can't afford to have you sit around and try to make Batman and, like mm-hmm. and perfect the script. We need you to start that now so we can capitalize on Batman while he's still, while people are still interested in you. And I said when we first talked about the reports that Ben Affleck could not direct the movie, I said if he doesn't direct it, I think that reflects really poorly on the studio because that's another director lost for one, but it's also somebody who is attached to the project, who is writing the script, who is supposed to direct it, who is set to star, and that he is saying this is not a strong enough project for me to direct. To put his name on. Exactly. He you know. doesn't... I get it from his perspective. He doesn't direct it. He loses half the blame. If the movie sucks, it's Matt Reeves' fault now, or it's WB's fault. Nobody's going to blame Affleck because sure. he's no longer, you know, he's not, he's no longer the scapegoat. Which that makes sense. If I was him and I had all this pressure, I'd probably mm-hmm. do the same thing. No faults there. But I'm that still doesn't mean I'm not disappointed. Yeah. Okay. Um, I I think we've I think I've especially me, I've ranted about or at least talked with some serious concern about corporate hierarchy, the corporate structure at WB. Um, they're definitely a money-driven company, mm-hmm. as as they should be. That's what movie making, its baseline is about. Yes, uh, it's a business. Absolutely. So I understand the, the implications, and I think they're warranted that Ben Affleck sees the machine is not going to stop because 
uh, he's not ready for it mm-hmm. yet. And this is a guy that's dealt with a lot in the last year, um, whether from you know right. from Jennifer Aniston to or not Jennifer Aniston, Jennifer Garner, Jennifer Garner to uh, you know having BVS not do well to have right. Live by Night not do well, a project that he worked really hard on. So I don't know if this is a reflection of. Warner Brothers in DC or if this is a reflection on Ben Affleck and his confidence because I I think it could be both yeah and in a way that he doesn't want to be the responsible I think was a very valid point he doesn't want to be a part of the the bad Batman Mm -hmm. movie he doesn't want to be he doesn't want to be up there with Val Kilmer and George Clooney no one does I mean if he has if he still if he stars in the bad Batman movie but he is still people go but Ben Affleck was great just the whole movie the plot was terrible Mm -hmm. you know the script wasn't good the supporting cast was bad but Ben Affleck was good then Ben Affleck has he doesn't take any blame absolutely yeah and so there we have that and we see Matt Reeves coming in. We see the, the the rewrite, which is in no doubt going to be based off of a lot of what Affleck wrote. Mm-hmm. And I think the reason it was taking so long is because he wanted to get it right. We don't know what Affleck's script was. Right. We don't know how far along it got. So it's very frustrating to say, or at least look at it and say, "Oh, there, there goes Warner Brothers again." You know, they're they're up to the they're up to their uh, their Justice not their Justice League, but their Batman, their BVS. They're up to their Suicide Squad stuff. You know, oppressing directors. Mm-hmm. Um, or, but arguably, Zack Snyder wasn't oppressed. Uh, well, I mean, he 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 was in a sense where he wanted to make a three hour cut, and the three hour cut's yes. a little better than the part in theaters, but. Right, That's yeah. Kind of besides the point. He wanted his uh, not gods of war. He wanted his uh, his three hundred. Right. You know that that uh, that tile that type of epic, mm-hmm. which turns out to be pretty good when you look at the yeah. the final result. Anyway, the machine's not going to stop turning. I think, I think this is equal parts. We need to move on. Ben isn't isn't ready to commit or doesn't want to fail the studio and the fans as much as frustrated with the process. Mm -hmm. And that's why I think we're probably going to get Matt Reeves. And I think the rewrite is polishing. It's finishing up dialogue. It's uh, the final steps to get this movie out in 2018. Mm -hmm. It's not coming out in 2018 anymore. There's no way. I think I, I think it would be very unlikely that they don't get this movie out in 2018 because I, I will they want buy to your movie ticket for Batman. All right, if it comes good. out in 2018, I think it would be really hard for them to not want to capitalize on any momentum Justice League picks up in November. No, I mean I just think if even if you hire a director by tomorrow, your production is going to take you. I mean, you the pre-production process appears to have been stopped. We have no idea what, what level they're at with sets with, you know, they haven't even cast anybody else new besides Joe Manganiello. And he was first cast because he's going to be in justice league. So mm-hmm. there's a whole new cast of characters that have not been cast yet. So you have to go through that process. They have to finish writing the script. They have to find a director. They got to scout locations. Um, then you got to actually film the movie. It's going to take a couple of months. Then you got to edit the movie. Then you got to do reshoots and then you got to finish the final cut. And have time for marketing. Right. That's a lot to do in 
you know, and Aquaman is the next film. Aquaman is supposed to start filming in May, I believe, for a October 2018 release date. So based on that schedule, Batman would have to start filming in the next two months to meet a summer 2018 release. I just think it's, I think it's difficult to do so. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I, won't, I won't be shocked to be wrong, but th- that's what it feels yeah. like, especially when you bring in the ringer. Uh, in Matt Reeves, if that turns out to be true. And I have a hard time believing that right. one, especially since the guy doesn't have anything slated. Yeah. Going past War for the Planet of the Apes, which that's the thing. Like if, if Ben Affleck, like in 2014, if they announced when they announced their slate, if they said Ben Affleck is going to star and write a Batman movie, that's going to be directed by Matt Reeves mm-hmm. fresh off of war or, Dawn, Dawn of the, the Planet of the Apes, Apes. Yep. I'd be like, yes, yes, please, let's make that happen. And I, even if you get Matt Reeves, I'll st- that'll make me a little more interested. But if they hire him and then a month later they start production, that tells me that he is no real input and that he is just being kind of place, he's just a placeholder in a sense. Reeves? Yeah. Yeah, okay. So I think my concern is just still with just the process that WP is going to do mm-hmm. and I mean, if you're announcing that Chris, if Deadline's announcing that Chris Terrio's already finished a rewrite of the script, the day that Batman or that Ben Affleck is no longer directing, that means that rewrite's been in the works for a while. It's not like that thing just started the day before. Of course. So he's obvious. Like they've that script's been worked on for probably a month ever since this whole drama has started, and you know, I just don't get if if Ben Affleck does have those concerns of going maybe on that, on the, you know, the first of January, he did have legitimate concerns mm-hmm. and that's when they brought in Terrio. Yeah. Because they've I, been writing partners before. Right. So then two weeks later he goes on Kimmel and he definitively states that I don't know why he would do that. If he, if he had already voiced his concerns, to WB and so maybe he, they went and said, okay, we'll give you time. We'll we'll let you work for a couple more months to finish the script, so you, then you can start production in August, and you can come out in March of 2019 or something. Okay, I could see that working, but this news, the fact that it comes two weeks after he definitively states that, tells me that after WB wrote a 70, $75 million loss and lived by night, his last movie, they go... Uh, okay, we don't have as much confidence that he's going to actually make a good product. Right. So we're going to pressure him. Yeah, And absolutely. That's when he goes, I'm not doing it. But if he had that concern earlier, I just wish he wouldn't have said anything so definitive. Sure. But I get why yeah. he said it because the way that press tour was going, it was so up and down with his Batman comments of, oh, I might do it. I mm-hmm. might do it. No, I'm going to do it. Yeah. Uh, that he get people off his back by just going and saying, I'm doing it. And especially when he made him, he made himself a hero that week too. When he right. said it, but because... now it makes him. And in my eyes, the movie look bad that he went, went just kidding. Yeah. It, it, that definitely, that part sucks. Um, but I think like you mentioned, I think at the top of this, uh, at least at this segment or the prior that I don't know what goes into all this. Mm-hmm. I've never done it before. Um, but it, this is, believe it or not they're pros in a sense uh yeah so i guess they they understand um what has to happen for this thing to go forward because it has to go forward Mm -hmm. um 
I've got I've got faith in Terrio. I've got Matt Reeves. You know, I could put him up there. I'm some of my top ten directors because he's just. Mm-hmm. I feel like he's he's in the mold of Christopher yeah. Nolan in a lot of the ways, and that's mm-hmm. why I love those uh, Planet of the Apes movies so yeah. much. Uh, so I have faith. Um, I think ultimately, if this when this does come out, it'll be something where we go, oh, I didn't need to be worried mm-hmm. because it's we're four years from three years from. The, the initial bad reaction mm-hmm. and we'll be able to say, you know what? They finally got it right. Yeah. So if Matt Reeves is not the choice, I mean, I'm still worried about this project and the whole DCU as of this point, I'll continue mm-hmm. to be worried about anything that comes out until I see probably wonder woman. And if it's good, then I'll become a little more interested. But if it's, if oh, please don't let it be bad. <laughs> Uh, I'll be even more. I'll be. Oh, I will lose pretty I, much Jenkins all interest. Is not Zack Snyder. That's important True. to remember. Okay, but if it's not Matt Reeves, are there any other names that you would be like? I could. I could be on board. I mean, there's been a lot that have been floated out there as potential contenders so yeah, far. I. You know, when I when I think about this and who would want to jump into it, I don't see a lot. Uh, but because mainly because I haven't thought about it because Matt Reeves just seems like a perfect choice. Um, but other than trying to, you know, jam Dan Trachenberg in there, which oh, he couldn't, a, oh man, he couldn't, he, he, there's no way Warner brothers would, you know, accept that. Uh, especially since he's sort of an experience on a big budget movie. Yeah. Um, I mean, Clover 10 Cloverfield Lane was a step in the right direction. Mm-hmm. He's going to need somebody yeah, else. He needs, a, he needs a middle, yeah. tier movie before he jumps up to, to that level. I sure think. thing. And it's weird talking about 10 Cloverfield Lane like a, a small movie. I mean, it kind of is. Like, it was. That movie's, like, I don't know the production but, budget, but it's probably less than $20 million, mm-hmm. I would guess. It was small. I think it was like 18 Yeah. I think we're checking it out prior. But I don't have anyone off the top of my head. Okay. Um, I'll, I'll, throw out, I'll throw out some names that have been rumored to right. be in contention. Let's see. Gavin O'Connor. No. Director of Warrior, director of Accountant. Uh, as much as I would like that, because I've, I'm a huge fan of Gavin O'Connor, mm-hmm. he's already attached to do the Green Hornet movie. Yep. And he's said that that's really the only superhero movie he'd want to do. Yep. He's writing, so, directing, setting it so all. So I don't, up. I don't think that's a, uh, I don't think that's a possibility. The other one uh, was Denny Villeneuve has been somebody who's been rumored. Yeah. I'm like, he just, he doesn't have time. Right. Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, if if WB is rushing this as I think they are. Then they don't have time to. Then he can't doesn't have time to make this until probably after Dune, which won't start filming until late this year, best probably mm-hmm. early next year. So yeah, next summer, you're three years away probably from a Batman movie at that point. Uh, the one suggestion I really like, if it's not Matt Reeves, is Dan Gilroy, the director of uh, Nightcrawler, because I'm I, I'm a huge fan of Nightcrawler. He makes he made Jake Gyllenhaal likable, but also the most like one of the most despicable people mm-hmm. <laughs> and he had this creepiness to him and i think especially then if you got Hall to be the villain oh right. my gosh any role possible yeah um, riddler or right my, my my first thought was joker because of the way he plays in nightcrawler but yeah. we, there's obviously already a joker unless they kill off leto <laughs> and bring in a new joker um but no dan Gilroy was a very good choice yeah I like that the other one that i've seen people a lot of people suggest uh david fincher Oh yeah, I mean, he's um, a pitch hitter or yeah. pinch hitter. I, I don't see him joining into this because I, th- I feel like that's 
He's not phasing his. himself into more personal stuff. Right. I feel like so. I feel like yeah, that'd be a weird step. Even though like obviously him and Affleck worked together in the past, but I don't think I don't think if they're gonna reteam, it's gonna be on the Batman. Uh, what other ones? I think Patty Jenkins' name has been thrown around. If they have faith in Wonder Woman, that she could step in and do that. And the other one, the first one that popped in my head, Zack Snyder. Yeah, I think I really think he's done. So, but would not be shocked if it's. I think it's Matt Reeves number one, Zack Snyder one B because no. if Matt Reeves goes and says. Oh, I, I can't because they want to make a fourth Planet of the Apes movie and I'm going to direct it. Mm-hmm. Then, you know, he's busy for the next couple of years doing that, prepping it. He has not time to direct a Batman movie and then promote it and edit it and everything. And they'll go, hey, Zach, uh, you're not what, doing anything, yeah, right? what you doing? <laughs> and then they'll do that. And then by the time Justice League comes out, the reaction Gosh. to that will then affect Batman in some capacity and... I just know if I had to put money on one person outside of Matt Reeves, it would I would put money on Snyder because I just feel like he's he's DC's guy now. And if there's one thing he knows how to do, it's action. That's I mean that is the one thing that he like he knows mm-hmm. he knows action. Oh, absolutely. And if he part. has a script, a good script founded off of Affleck, Chris Terrio, and Jeff Johns potentially, then. I think that's the uh, that's the way to go. Like, you I get just, you get the strong scripts, yeah, and then he is just allowed to play with the visuals. Uh, Affleck still uh, produces, so he can kind of correct any story beats or anything and help Snyder in any capacity needed. I, I would, won't be shocked if that I happens. would just pray at that. Is he keeps the mythos out of it? We saw that in BVS. Mm-hmm. Just let's get to the let's get to the meat of it. Let's get to the the action parts of three hundred with the exposition in the middle. Yeah. So, uh, just to wrap this up, do you think now that he is not directing, he's gotten another writer involved? What are you? What do you think this version of Batman's future is in the DCEU? This version. Yes. Do you uh, think that? Because I honestly will not be surprised if come the end of the Batman, Affleck dies and they have a Robin character who picks up the mantle. I don't see that happening because we don't know where Justice League 2 is yet. I mean, we know where it is. We don't know. It was it's pushed gonna, before the Batman. Yeah. Right. It's going to... It, we're going to see um, this movie take place in a distant future somewhere or, or in the past, it's not going to be wait, what movie this Batman movie. You think it's going to take place in the future, future, the past. It's not going to be set in the main timeline. Oh, I think it definitely will be. Uh, so I think, I think in the very end, Affleck's going to survive, but depending on where justice league falls, uh, it could be his last debut as Batman. Yeah. But I think that'll most likely be the justice. Yeah. League too. I don't, I could, uh, yeah, I could see him making it through the Batman. I, I think I won't be shocked if he doesn't, because then you can play the whole. You can redo the, you know, the trope you did at the end of BVS, where then the next Justice League movie is all about Batman being dead. Sure. But this time you're not bringing Bruce Wayne back from the dead. You have, you know, Nightwing taking up that mantle or something. Mm-hmm. Um, 
at that point, though, it just gets absurd, and I feel like right. no writer I, could be able to get away with that. I wouldn't put it past WB. That's all I'm saying. So oh. let's uh, let's move on from DC and wait till next week to find out what other terrible news is on the horizon. Let's talk about or, movies or, that we liked. How yeah, about that? how about that? So we're going to do our 10 favorite movies of 2016, which, you know, that obviously means we do not think these are necessarily the 10 best movies. These are our 10 favorite movies for whatever reasons we want to bring up. Sure. These are our favorite movies of the year. Not, you know, I don't think that my number one movie necessarily should be win best picture. Of course. So... I'm like, yeah, like I don't think these 10 movies should be the 10 nominees for Best Picture. These you know? are the 10 movies that you were glad you spent money on. Exactly. So uh, I'm going to do my honorable mentions first, and you can do your honorable right. mentions. Uh, we will do our 10 through, let's see, what would it do? 10 through 10 6. Through, 10 through 6. Sure. 10 through 6, then our 5 through 2s, and then one of our number 1s. Perfect. Honorable mentions. Jungle Book. Oh, yeah. uh, a movie that I think is, you know, if you listen to the podcast, I gave a perfect rating to. So mm-hmm. it's like, well, how is it not in my top 10? But I think just because I don't think it has that. It's similar to Avatar in a sense where you watch that and you're just like, this is this is nuts because you don't you don't think it's possible to have such a CG heavy movie. And John Favreau, I think, pulled it off really well. He played with the original story, but also enhanced it in a lot of ways. Uh, and the voice cast was just great. So that's one of my open mentions. My other one, Doctor Strange. Tough to leave it off. Wow. The top okay. 10. Because uh, I, I really I really did love it. But I've only seen it once. And I'm I'm curious to see what it's like watching a second time. So I, I couldn't put it in above my number 10, even though it was really close. Uh, and then my last honorable mention, Edge of 17. Uh, we've talked about a lot on the podcast. Haley Steinfeld's great. Woody Harrelson's great. And it's just, you know, I think it's a really great movie for any, I mean, obviously everybody's been a teenager at one point. I think for anybody, even if you're a parent watching the movie, I think there's some, there's a character you're going to relate to in uh, some sense. For me, there's moments where, we were, where I even was relating to Haley Steinfeld because she's mm-hmm. just an awkward kid. And, but then there's also moments where I was relating to her older brother played by Blake Jenner because I'm an older brother you know that that comes with a lot of responsibilities, um, and I, I I was like I I know exactly what you were yeah. feeling, dude. So I really connected with that movie, and yeah, those are my honorable mentions. Awesome. Well, I have the Jungle Book on my honorable mentions too, um, for all the reasons you said. But Favreau creating or being able to create that world that looked so real, so immersive, and then to to see where they shot that movie yeah, just makes you, it blows your mind. Um, and then not to mention just the emotional, the emotional tale that he was able to eke out of CGI characters. Yeah. You know, with using motion capture, but like with Bill Murray, which is a feat in and of itself. Um, so my other two that I have are Nocturnal Animals. Um, I, I really love this movie. Um, it was. I gave it a five of five when we reviewed it and we talked about it. Uh, Jake Gyllenhaal is, as a man in pain, it, it was unbelievable. Amy Adams as someone so dispassionate and disaffected was incredible to see. You know, just how they portrayed that 
was incredible. Tom Ford, you know, and cinematography and things like that. It was, it was wonderful. Um, and then next is a monster calls. I, I can't, you, if you go back and see my review on this, I struggle with it because the, the attainability of, um, Lucas, uh, Lewis McDowell. Lewis, Lewis, Lewis McDowell's McDougal? character. McDowell, McDougal. Yeah. Sure. The attainability of everything he's going through um, is like nothing I've ever seen in the movie before, let alone something that was geared towards kids. Mm-hmm. And uh, thematically and seeing how they portrayed um, Felicity Jones battling cancer was something I'd never seen in the movie before. When the movie was specifically about you know, a cancer patient mm-hmm. and the realities, the harsh realities, the ugly realities of that was incredible to see, uh, on shown on screen. Mm-hmm. So, uh, those are, they're arguably my, some of my favorite movies, uh, but they don't crack the top 10 yeah. because they deal with a subject that at the end of the day makes me a bit uncomfortable, you know? So, or, yeah. Yeah, the Jungle Book's pretty controversial. <laughs> it's well, the Jungle Book just didn't crack it, but right, these yeah, other two, I, I get you. These other two, uh, I like having fun at movies. More. Yeah, um, yeah, and then it, so as we do this, if there's any movies that I mentioned that you don't have on your list, feel free to talk about it. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe say why they're not on yours, or if you agree with whatever. Okay. Uh, just so I will. We don't. We don't miss anything. I will react vehemently okay. if I disagree. <laughs> okay, number ten. This was the one that I was like, I need because you know, it's the 10th spot. So you're like, okay, what deserves be that last one to get in? And for me, it was Moana because I wanted to get an animated movie in there for one. But also I listened to this, that, that soundtrack all the time. Uh, and I've seen it twice. So that, that gave it a boost as well. Cause I've watched it and I maybe even liked it a little more the second time. Even oh, though yeah. I still have problems with, the quote unquote villain of the film and sure. the way it ends and stuff. But, uh, I think it's just beautifully animated. The songs by Lin, by, uh, Lin-Manuel Miranda are all fantastic. The portrayals by Alihi Cravalho, Dwayne, the rock Johnson, uh, everybody else. Fantastic. Uh, it's one of the movies I can't wait to buy on Blu-ray so I can watch it all the time. Um, I've gotten my whole, f- like my two youngest sisters obsessed with, the soundtrack be, and like so anytime we were in the car together we're yeah. jamming out to you're welcome or i am oana or how far i'll go oh, I love that um one. so i think it's that's one of the movies that I, it leaves it left an imprint on me because mm-hmm. there's not really a week that goes by that i'm not thinking about moana yeah, because i'm to listening it to with it you, yeah which is cool i'm just shocked to know that that's your only animated movie yeah all right. It it, uh, it was close. I mean, this is Zootopia. Yeah, I, I loved Zootopia, gotcha. but for me, I think Zootopia if might be the better movie. Mm-hmm. But I can see myself rewatching Moana yep. and liking it more than Zootopia. Gotcha. Um, number nine, Deadpool. Ooh. Uh, superhero R-rated movie. So not a surprise. I have a super movie in my top ten. It's not the only one. Uh, and this It was this or Doctor Strange for me, really. And I gave it the edge because it's, it was just it was so different. I mean, I know Doctor Strange was different on a visual perspective, but 
it kind of it reinvented the superhero genre in a sense that now we're getting Logan. We're going to get probably more R-rated superhero movies, and I'm looking forward to that. And I, I thought Ryan Reynolds was fantastic uh, in the role as Wade Wilson, and I just I can't wait to see where this goes. It's so funny. The action is just amazing. Uh, and I've seen it probably three or four times now. And I mean, it's just, it's a simple story. I've got, I've become more okay with the flashbacks and the way it's cut up yeah. in the film. I'm still not, I still think it would have worked a little better if they didn't do it that way. But uh, for the most part, I've come to immensely love this movie. Very awesome. Uh, number eight, The Nice Guys. Uh, Shane Black, Ryan Gosling. Yes. Uh, and why am I blanking on Russell Crowe's name? There it is. Uh, yeah, there it is. It came to me, <laughs> thankfully. Uh, I mean, I don't really need to say more, I feel like. Mm-hmm. I mean, that sells a movie on itself. Then you have, like, Angori Rice, who is great as the kid. Uh, you get the, the fun, like, was it 70s is when it's set in, yep. right? Yeah. Uh, 70s LA. I think it's just it's just so fun. It's so funny. Mm-hmm. Uh, the ending where Ryan Gosling is basically a superhero. <laughs> it gets, it's, it's just so great. When he goes meta, it's great. Uh, and I think that, I mean, it's Shane Black at uh, near his best. So I just, I I love that movie. I've seen it a couple of times. So again, that, that helps make it one of my favorites because I'm watching it multiple times. Uh, number seven, Arrival, a movie that uh, is so just intelligent. <laughs> uh, sure. And what? Uh, I know it's low. I think the other movies, I think, have just left a little bit of a bigger impression on me. Okay. Um, and, like, th- I think my top seven is, like, a legitimately, like, I could flip-flop. One through seven? Basically. Like, I could I could legitimately probably make an argument for almost all seven to be my f- favorites. Okay. Or realistically gotcha. my second favorite because my favorite's pretty much locked in. Gotcha. Um, so I think, but yeah, my two through seven are pretty much interchangeable. All right. Um, but yeah, I mean, it has, it has strong performances. The cinematography is amazing. Bradford Young. Uh, yeah. I mean, Han Solo. I mean, that just uh, so is, is incredible. And yeah, I think it's just, it's so strong. It, it, it requires a second viewing. I think I'm still not sure which theory is right between yours or mine or somebody else's. I think, Mine is more so. I still. missed it. I missed it in the theater for the second time, but it's out on iTunes, and I'm debating whether I want to just spend the twenty bucks now or Whoa. wait for my uh, wait for the Blu-ray and digital copies. Yeah, so. I'm, I'm definitely going to be buying on Blu-ray and digital and watching yeah. it again because I think it just it needs to, and it's another one of those movies that just made me love Denny even more because yeah. he just continues to be on that rise. Uh, then my number six movie you mentioned in your honorable mentions. Nocturnal Animals. Uh, mm-hmm. I think it is arguably my favorite review we did because I think it's just so layered. Uh, it has so many interpretations. The performances are all fantastic. Uh, I love Aaron Taylor Johnson and Michael Shannon specifically. And I think it's just a really, really smart movie. And outside of the first two or three or five minutes, I I was locked in for yeah. that entire film. And that's another one where I will definitely be buying it, skipping those first five minutes and uh, watching that portion from it's, then on a lot. It's going to be, I think it's going to be something in the future where people talk about color in films and that Tom, the way Tom Ford, you know, 
ran that movie. It still blows my mind yeah. today. So yeah, I still need to catch his uh, first movie, but it's just yeah, it's it's crazy to see, you know, the guy from the Tom Ford suits go right. and make a movie that yeah. well. The guy that makes shirts and ties, like oh, he he also directs. Yeah, he and, directs. He directed the sixth best film in my opinion in, of the year. Yeah, in in a way that was you know so prolific. And yeah, you don't yeah, crazy. So, um, am I up? Yes. All right. Well, number 10 uh, is Deadpool. I, I really love this. It broke the mold. Ryan Reynolds was phenomenal. It had so many jokes. Like it, it almost felt like I was watching an episode of 30 Rock that was rated R because the writing was so good. There were there were jokes that even if you didn't catch it and the first time around, you would hear it later. Mm-hmm. You'd laugh at it and be like, I forgot they slipped that in there. Yeah. That's great. Or, you know, and uh, on the second time makes it a better movie. Um, even like the star Wars reference. I just, I still, I, yeah. the, the fact that Empire. someone corrected it, <laughs> yeah. uh, was fantastic. Um, like the general reference to the super specific fan reference. Yes. Uh, loved it. Um, number nine, the nice guys. Uh, I really, really love this movie. Shane Black uh, has directed probably one of my favorite, you know, Marvel movies, Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, and how it, you know, breaks the mold of cop comedies uh, was awesome. But he perfects it in The Nice Guys Mm -hmm. where he takes, he breaks the mold, but also sets it in a period piece and then just doesn't care. Yeah. Uh, Like Ryan Gosling's, charisma and then coupled with russell crowe's grizzle makes the perfect combo and then you add all those other elements of shane black in a high speed non-stop movie right up till the end uh it was a perfect pairing um and like you said when he goes meta when he realizes I'm the star of an action movie. I can't die yeah. no matter what happens. If I'm going to fall off the roof of a building, I'm going to land in a pool. Yeah. I'm, if I want to get shot with this can of film, that's not going to damage me. the film. I'm going to get, I'm going to fall out a window and be fine. It was, uh, that, uh, that still is one of my favorite parts <laughs> of a cinema, you know, uh, last year. Yeah. Um, number eight, Zootopia. Uh, I was, I was debating whether Moana or Zootopia and I ultimately arrived at Zootopia because, um, like, you know, like, you know, like Deadpool or like, there's so many jokes Mm -hmm. that I don't get the first time through. There's so many Easter eggs. There's so many elements to the world building that they do that are not only clever, but just ingenious because it takes a, it takes a pretty good mind to think of it. Um, so, and then not to mention the themes that they build, like, there's there's xenophobia there's bullying there's there's somehow they worked in you know uh not police brutality so to speak but um like corrupt like corruption and stuff corruption yeah. and uh i'm not sure the other word i'm looking for but like these themes that i'm like holy cow that those are hot button topics if you talk about them in any other way and they slipped them into a mm-hmm. you know a kids movie that is terrific uh filled with an incredible cast uh Loved it. Yeah, I mean, like, even slipped in like a Breaking Brad, Breaking Bad reference. Yes, like that. that. Like, I think, yeah, like that's the thing that stands out between like the between Moana and Zootopia for me is Zootopia's scripts. I think is far superior, mm-hmm. but I think the enjoyment level of Moana was just a little yeah, bit higher. Total. Yeah, I totally respect that. Um, number seven for me, uh, and hear me out here when I say this, okay. but it's Snowden. It's really? the Joseph Gordon-Levitt 
um, starred movie directed by uh, not Oliver Stone, but yeah, that's Oliver Stone. Oh, okay, yeah, and uh, biopics, like I said about Steve Jobs, can be either hit or miss. Social Network was great. Steve Jobs, not so much. Snowden, I really enjoyed it. It covered an issue with. It covered a complex issue with a easy to understand dialogue that presented an idea to the audience that I think you tried to explain to anyone else um, off the cuff, they wouldn't be able to get. Uh, I do think Roger Stone made a mistake in casting Snowden as a hero and not an indifferent, an indifferent person because that, I think that ruins the whole point of a biopic when you have a very static character. Uh, but j- th- being able to see Zachary Quinto as a journalist and at a role I've never really seen him before, yeah. uh, especially like when he's yelling at his editor, uh, still sticks to me. Um, but he he gets drama, he creates paranoia for the audience, but then at the end, lessens it a little bit and then empowers you or with the knowledge that you've received in the movie. Terrific. Um, and then number six, uh, Captain America Civil War. Uh, the Russo brothers uh, have they've turned around my feelings on Marvel movies. I think I've expressed to you before that I thought things were going stale. Mm-hmm. Right, right to or right before uh, I saw Captain America Civil War. And they reinvented the book on it. So many things. Um, I was disappointed that they didn't go the route of taking out one or two characters, you know, but that's that's fine. Mm-hmm. I love everybody in there. I would be right. I'd be depressed if that happened. But they still they created a villain and they created a plot that was so clever and that pulls at your emotional strings and then punches you in the face. Yeah. Like it's, it's they're tapping you on the shoulder throughout all of it. You're feeling bad. You think it's going this way. And then, you know, like a left hook to the jaw, mm-hmm. uh, they really, they really get you. And I, th- those, those guys and the writers that they employ and the storyboard, um, I can't express how, how, how cool that was to see. Mm-hmm. So that is my 10 through six. Yeah. I'm surprised you had stoned it in there, but I, I mean, teach his own. Mm hmm. So, uh, my number five, La La Land. Ooh, uh, there you go. I, I mean, I'm somebody who really likes that movie. Uh, I listened, again, similar to Moana, I listened to that soundtrack a lot, uh, which is why it stayed so high on my list, because I, I, I think about that movie all the time, because I listen to the music all the time. Mm-hmm. So, it's it's just left the imprint on me where I want to list that soundtrack together that's great music i think about the story of what it takes to achieve your dreams in like a hollywood business or really any business i think could be applied to and i think it's it's just a great way to tell that story where sometimes you have to choose between one thing or the other and not everything always works out as it normally does in most movies like it was very real and i like i said in our review it felt like I was just watching Emma Stone and Ryan Gosling. Like they yeah. did, they didn't feel like caricatures of oh up and coming you know actor right up and coming singer. Like no, they're just like oh it's Emma Stone and Ryan Gosling. Cool, mm-hmm. she wants to be a singer. He wants to be, like <laughs> like it's just, it's like I loved it. Yeah. So uh, number four, Hell or High Water. 
uh, I knew this was movie. Oh, it is just so, it is so good. It's just so strong. Um, I think it's, it's got one of the best scripts of the year. Uh, I mean, from the performances, Jeff Bridges, Chris Pine, uh, Chris Pine. Yes. Uh, and Ben Foster are all fantastic. Were you about to say Chris Pratt? No, I was like Chris. It looked like you had to make like a Chris Prine. I was like, that's not your <laughs> name. Um, I think, yeah. I mean, they're all just they're all just so good. And the the ending of this movie is like up there with one of my favorite sequences of the year because it's not it's not like action heavy or anything. It's just it's just dialogue, and you're just like you're just gripped. Like, what what is gonna happen? Oh my gosh! And then it's just like. It's just, it's so good. And like, uh, it's written and directed by Taylor Sheridan, the guy who wrote Sicario. He's going to also direct and write the sequel prequel Soldado. So I am just like absolutely interested to see what he's going to do next. Uh, number three, Sing Street movie. That is just, again, if you're getting me listening to the soundtrack over and over, it's, it's going to really, it's going to really help you because I think it's a crime that Drive It Like You Stole It was not nominated for an Oscar for Best Song because it is it it has the feel of a modern day pop song, but it's like actually kind of has like some meaning to it about like you know yeah. live your life because you know don't let anybody else like control your life like you do you mm-hmm. and see what happens and like just try to be happy and I think it's just a great message it's super simple. Uh, it's pretty much filled with an unknown cast and they were all like really good in it. And it's just a simple story about a guy meets a girl. He wants to impress her. So he starts a band and it's that journey from there on. It's and now on Netflix too, isn't it? Yeah. It's been on Netflix. I th- yeah. think since like, I don't know, like October or something, but yeah, I mean, all right, I'm going to definitely get every time it. I mentioned sing street, I say it's on Netflix. As far as I know, I haven't checked like in the last couple of weeks, but I'm pretty sure it's still on there. Go watch it, and then you'll see why it was nominated for best uh, uh, comedy or musical from the Golden Globes. I think it was, or yeah, uh, it was nominated for something by the Golden Globes, and it's it's, it's completely deserving. Number two, Hacksaw Ridge. Uh, it is Mel Gibson back the way he should be. Andrew Garfield in the lead as Desmond is just so good uh i haven't seen silence but i find it hard to believe that he gave a better performance in silence because i think this is his best performance in his career i mean even like Teresa palmer as his uh you know girlfriend and then wife she's great vince vaughn is great um who else is in this movie like even the uh the guy from like the new point break remake like he's in there as like a supporting guy and he's really good as well which really surprised me oh yeah it's one of the combatants isn't it yeah and uh yeah i mean i mean there's just there's so many like chris cooper i think is uh andrew garfield's dad it's just it's filled with a great cast the story is great it it, it feels almost like two different movies at like the way that the way it's told, but it works because that first half of the movie is so set up to make you feel for Desmond and just show you how good of a guy he is. And then everything bad happens in the second half. And you're like, Oh, please, please make it out of their life. Yeah. Cause I really like you. And, and then it's just him 
going and saving people. And you're just like, this is nuts. Like one man should not be able to do all this. And he did it. And it's a real story. And I mean, it's just, it's incredible. Like the action Mel Gibson delivers is fantastic. The story, the cinematography, everything. And that's why it's number number two. Awesome. All right. So I'm coming in at five. And this is a movie that I did not expect because I, I've never liked any of these people's, any of these, this guy's stuff. Um, these guys. Uh, and that's Hail Caesar. The Conan Brothers Ode to Old Hollywood, uh, starring Josh Brolden, Alden Einreich, with appearances of Scarlett Johansson, Channing Tatum, and George Clooney, of course, mm-hmm. you know, in the, in the, uh, the t- titular t- titular role. Yes, I think that's how they have, how cool titular? people say it. Yes, I've, I'm uncomfortable. I'm not always confident saying that because <laughs> I don't want to screw up. Yeah, but anyway, um, it was so dry. Oh, he, Ralph Fiennes as well. Yeah. Uh, his his appearance as a director and him and Alden <laughs> Einreich going back and forth about the line, "Twert so simple, my dear." Yeah. And that w- today is one of the probably one of the funniest things i've mm-hmm. seen still um not today but last year yeah. uh it, w- it was great it was an ode it was fast paced it was funny it didn't care about how absurd its its final acts were with the submarine emerging from the waters and uh the the communist writers uh trying to ship off money to the motherland and was, uh I love that. It was, I thought it was hilarious. Um, number four, Star Wars Rogue One. Uh, I I loved the direction that Gareth Edwards and Kath- Kathleen Kennedy and all of Lucasfilm decided to take the franchise uh, that is probably the nearest and dearest to my heart. Um, I love the themes that were woven into it. I loved the cast. I, I'm going to talk about Diego Luna forever. I'm going to talk about Riz Ahmed for not only from the night of, but from this, um, Jessica, not Jessica Chastain, Felicity <laughs> Jones is, you know, cemented herself as someone I'm going to go to the, the theater for, um, as Ben Mendelsohn too. And, you know, I, I really loved him, uh, but all in all, uh, they, they got to tell a story that I kind of needed to hear, you know, near the end of the year, uh, one about underdogs and hope. And I thought that was phenomenal. Yeah, um, like obviously Rogue One's not I on my list. I noticed that. I couldn't believe and it. I should clarify. I mean, it would be it would have been my honorable mentions, but I limited myself to just three. It mm-hmm. probably would have been my fourth. But I think it's a movie that builds, and the ending is so strong. Where like I've seen it three, I saw it three times in theaters, and the third time, I was just like I was just waiting for that yeah. end for the battle of Scarif and everything that happens afterwards. So I think it, it hurts itself. Like <laughs> it's, it's no, I, I think I, for, I agree for such a strong ending where the whole time I'm just like, I'm like, okay, like when's, when's this going to happen where yep. you could make like a similar case for like civil war. I think where a lot of people you're waiting for the airport fight. Mm-hmm. But for me, what comes after is just as, great as what happened before so that's why it's not quite as well and i didn't like mendelssohn but okay really you can you can go back and listen to our whole review about it yeah it's it's i think it's one of our it's a very methodical review um but number three 10 cloverfield lane uh cloverfield has always had a really a a place in my heart and then this follow-up by jj abrams 
um, bringing it out of nowhere after delivering, you know, one of the most anticipated movies in our generation. Uh, yeah, in our generation. And to make this movie just as memorable is an incredible feat. But I would be remiss if I didn't mention that he didn't direct this. Mm-hmm. It was it was the it was the guy who does commercials and one short movie, Dan Trachtenberg, Trachtenberg, to do this. And I was blown away by its simplicity, its story that in this day and age when we guess, we think we know mm-hmm. all the tricks of director's sleeves nowadays can take you one way, take you back the other way. Think you're totally fine and then spring the final surprise on you and you go, I guess I saw this coming, but at the same time, I thought we were past this point. Right. And I, I was blown away by that. Mary Tyler, Elizabeth Winstead. Mary Tyler. Mary Elizabeth Winstead. Mary Elizabeth Winstead. I'm, I'm meshing actors here, <laughs> actresses here. Um, John Gallagher Jr. and John Goodman, who I I think you've met, said this prior that you thought he should have gotten an Oscar. Yep. I don't think so, but he's definitely an honorable mention. I mean, yeah, I just watched it again and a, it still holds up. A vin, a vindictive, but also not vindictive, but a a man that can go from creepy to sympathetic instantaneously mm-hmm. uh, is something, you know, to be applauded. And uh, I thought that was amazing. Yeah. That, another one to, would have made my honorable mentions mm-hmm. for sure. I, if, if, if it wasn't that I loved Winstead and Gallagher Jr. so much, it may not be, have been this high. Uh, and then number two, La La Land. Um, for all the reasons you said, I, I can't find myself anywhere on a sidewalk without humming City of Stars. Right. Uh, it's it's terrific. Um, it's, it's a movie that was unabashed, unabashedly, earnest and optimistic in almost all of the ways up until the very end where of course we see you know the star-crossed lovers Gosling and um, Stone who have given up each other for their dreams you know when you thought oh no their dreams don't matter if they're because they want each Mm -hmm. other that's the trope you know they make it work no they didn't make it work here uh, in, in the end which you know was it catches you off guard, but at the same time, you know, it's like, oh, it's lovely because she likes jazz now because of him after, right. him. you know, <laughs> and it's like, you know, and uh, watching Gosling and Emma Stone, like you said earlier, where it feels like, oh, these are just two people. These, they're not, they're not acting. They're just out here having fun. Mm. Maybe this movie is just a documentary on making a, you know, making a musical and these people are having fun and falling in love during the same time, you know? And yeah. I just, I loved, I loved that feel to it the entire time. Um, and I, you know, I cannot wait to, you know, be able to own this. I can't wait to see, you know, how it does in award season when, when award season all said and done. Um, so yeah, La La Land, number two. Yeah. Uh, my number one, I'll try to make this quick cause we're running along again. Captain America Civil War, uh, Easily my favorite movie of the year. It's not really a contest, even though I think if I had to like go, okay, what's what's the better made movie? It Hacksaw is a better made movie. It's a better actor movie. But Captain America Civil War delivered for me from start to finish on every aspect. It starts great with the, the thing in, um, uh, what's it called? What's the country? I don't remember. Who cares? There's a great fight at the very Bosnia, beginning. Bosnia, mid-Africa. Yeah. yeah. Somewhere in there. Um, 
I liked the inclusion of all the characters because it was a primer for Infinity War, but also the Russo brothers did a great job of making every character needed in some aspect where they had their moment. We were like, oh, who was in that movie? Oh, Hawkeye. Wait, wait was Hawkeye? Oh, yeah, because he did that thing to Vision and he, like, he shot Ant-Man off his arrow. Like, there's all this, like, you, there's a moment for every single character that you're going to remember. And the airport fight, I think, is one of my favorite sequences of all time in film. Uh, it's arguably, I think, probably the one of the best action sequences in film of all time. And what follows afterwards is an intimate battle, but it has even more stakes. And I think that's what makes the ending so great. Even if they kind of cop themselves out of it in a little way with the cell phone and the note at the end, but... I think you you have to do that in a sure. sense, unless yeah. like you just make it so Infinity War. But it's kind of besides the point. But yeah, Civil War, I think, is Marvel's best film. Uh, it's them at the top of their game. The Russo brothers delivered the. I think Robert Downey Jr. maybe gave his best performance as Iron Man, um, and I think it just gave it gave each of the heroes a like actual story you all have the introduction of black panther with chad oh, and tom holland spider-man i mean there's it just brought so much new stuff to the table that i was just thrilled by the anything i was seeing on screen oh absolutely especially especially the chadwick boseman black black panther t'challa that is by far i think even they brought spider-man in great mm-hmm. but they brought him in and that yeah, that's the, arguably probably the best part. Yeah. I think at least for me, uh, in terms of that film. Yeah. Um, and so my number one, mm-hmm. are we there? Yep. All right. Uh, arrival. Yeah. Uh, Dennis Villeneuve. I, I think I've mentioned this at the top of the show. Uh, I'm loving this guy more and more, uh, with every movie he puts out and every project he starts to pick up. Uh, arrival has cast Amy Adams and Jeremy Renner have, have really good chemistry. They're, they're, they're great to watch on screen together. Uh, Bradford Young and his cinematography, uh, I can't say enough about it. And then you pair that with the score and you create this mysterious, cold movie, but is brought to life by Amy Adams and Jeremy Renner as they unmask the message that Abbott and Costello try to deliver. And then while that's there everything around this movie in the world like in the the grand theme the message that it tries to send uh blew me away about communication um being able to work with uh or you know collaboration uh being able to understand different perspectives that can inform different insights and why that's so important and then uh top it all off in like you know a christopher nolan fashion there's this what was actually happening method. And I, I'm still, I still don't think you may be right, uh, but I'm, <laughs> I'm dying to get, get back to this. And I've only seen this movie one time. And yeah. uh, I think that's why I was really shocked as I compiled my list to know that, Oh, it's, it's still higher than all of these. Um, so I think I'll probably end up, you know, spending my evening tonight, putting down 20 bucks and finally uh, getting back to, um, getting back to arrival. <laughs> oh, and not to mention Amy Adams also tells a heartbreaking story, you mm-hmm. know, that's tied directly into this twist or this, this plot. Yeah. The narrative. Yeah. It was, uh, it, it was great on so many levels mm-hmm. and I absolutely loved it. 
Yep. So those are our top tens. Uh, I know we're running long again. Sorry about the back-to-back weeks of really long episodes, but hopefully they were worth it for all of you guys. Uh, so we'll wrap it up relatively quickly here. Uh, during time away, be sure to tell us your thoughts on everything we covered by Trias at Friends and Film, where you receive updates on the podcast, movie news, and more. You can follow me personally on Twitter at Coops underscore Hoops. And you can follow me, Josh, at Just Joshua Ryan. And if you like this episode, please subscribe, share, retweet, do whatever else you can do on the internet to spread awareness for the Friends and Film podcast. And give us a five-star review on iTunes with comments about what we can do better, what we are doing great, why you like the show, maybe what you would like to see changed, some segment that you'd like to see added, a segment you'd like to be us no longer do, whatever it is. Uh, just let us know so we can keep you listening. As of next week, what are we going to be doing? We're going to be taking on, like you said, a double dose. That's right. First, the spinoff Lego movie, Batman, mm-hmm. which looks hilarious in its own right. But then going the other direction completely and seeing 50 shades darker (laughs) no (laughs) uh you couldn't pay me enough yes but we're doing i guess that is technically the farthest side but anyway john wick 2 uh the action-packed keanu reeves movie now with Lawrence fishborn yeah i'm so stoked yeah i think uh the early reviews for lego batman have come out i'm really excited for they released this like promo clip online of uh like introducing the Batman villains. Oh, like, yes. It goes so far down the rabbit hole of like, here's Calendar Man. You're like, wait, what? <laughs> like, who are these people? Uh, it's it's real. It lo- it's going to be super funny. The Lego, the Lego movie I thought was genius. Obviously, like I talked about earlier, so I can't wait for that. John Wick, I'm a huge fan of that movie, so it's the sequel. I think it looks great. And yeah, I'm pumped to see, to get back in the theater next week and see two movies and bring you a review. So mm-hmm. uh, hopefully we don't go as long next week. It depends on what kind of big breaking news happens. If we have another big director leave or new Star Wars not movie announced or try to stay away from the DCU, maybe. Yeah. So, uh, but either way, hopefully you guys enjoyed this episode. Uh, thanks again for tuning in to the Friends and Film podcast. Josh, thanks for stopping by, everyone. And be sure to tune in next week for our reviews of Lego Batman and John Wick Chapter Two.